came across this idea of divine lies, divine lies, and I'll just introduce it shortly. So I'm just giving you, a, there's 15 of them I've come across. Now, one of them is, under grace, our sins do not really matter. Should we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. Or your sins do matter. Your sins are under the blood, but you don't. How, how insulting it is after you've been born from above when we sin, and it is horrible. Even though after we've been saved, we still sin. And we do. If you don't believe it, just uh, ask me. I'll tell you what they are. But anyways, uh, keeping rules makes you righteous. <clears throat> keeping rules makes you righteous. Our righteousness is given to us by Christ. We actually wear his righteousness. He takes our sin. Now, that doesn't mean that shall we commit sin that grace may abound god forbid no we're not we don't do that we by the grace of god stay away from it ask the holy spirit now that dwells with us to help us but that's a divine lie the world's music can be used in worship <clears throat> that which is of the world is in fact the things of the world god hates the things of the world he hates them uh, if, if anybody loved if a friend of the world the bible says he's an enemy of god enemy of god that's bad because the world is not of God, it's of the devil, who's the God of this world. And so it makes sense to me, the things that were created and used, and we're not talking about the trees and the bees and the plants and the sunset and all that stuff. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about the philosophy, the music, the, uh, the whole, the whole uh, and much of it invisible, of course, the thought patterns of the, of the carnality of the world is enmity and hateful to God. And bringing that into his worship, that's just double insult. Uh, another divine lie is women can teach and preach to men. They can, but they shouldn't. They can, but they shouldn't. It's just not God's way. You can argue with him about that. Tongues, that whole movement of tongues in the 70s, it was big. It, it, it's some sort of a heavenly, they call it a heavenly language. <clears throat> that's, that's a divine lie. Tongues in the Bible is really the tongues in the Bible is the more of the miracles with the hearer than with the speaker. They heard Peter preach in 17 different mother tongue dialects. And that was a supersonic. Wow. Miracle. I wish I'd have had it when I ever I've preached overseas a few times. And man, I wish I would have had that. But it wasn't God's will. It was God's will that you study the language or have an interpreter, but it's not been his will. Now, can he still do that? On occasion, God could still perform that miracle. Any miracle he wants to perform, he can still do it. God wants you healthy and wealthy. Well, most of you sitting in this room would say, uh, that isn't so, if you didn't know the Bible. But the Bible is full of scriptures that would contradict this divine lie that everybody wants you, that God, that God somehow wants everybody healthy and wealthy. And they think if you're not healthy and wealthy, by the way, it's your fault. Your lack of faith, lack of obedience, it's always your fault. So you go around guilty, beat down all the time. The seventh lie I went through was we should cooperate with disobedient brothers. When a brother, who is, when a person who's called a brother uh, goes back into the world, we're supposed to separate from them so that they are ashamed of what they're doing and get right with God. That's the whole point of the whole thing. Not, you know what enablement is? You parents have a real weakness about enabling your children. I don't think Harris had that problem. Somehow, I, your wife did, but you overcame her. But uh, uh, my dad didn't have any trouble on enablement. You know, he didn't know how to enable these, but you get out there and work like everybody else. And, and uh, he helped us out, not to be lazy. Also, develop your character and your youth. That made sense to me. 
Uh, number eight, another lie is Jesus is not deity. He's not God. That's big now. That's a doctrinal statement. That, and, uh, remember the Ethiopian eunuch? He says, what hinders me from being baptized? He says, he says, well, if you believe with all your heart, you can, you can be baptized. He says, well, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That statement satisfied. You believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God, deity. God manifests the flesh. He couldn't have said what he said if he wasn't. And number nine, we've talked, which I, we, we went over this last week. Hell is a, a divine lie is hell is not a real place of torment, and it's not eternal. It is both eternal and real and horrible, and nobody wants to go there. Usually in a crowd of people, I'll say, how many got saved because of hell, the teaching on hell? About half usually hold their hand up. The other half got saved on grace, meaning they needed to hear the mercy and grace of God to be saved. They already believed they were wicked sinners. They didn't need to be condemned any further. They just needed to be shown the grace of God so they could be saved. The other half needed to be told if they continued in their sin, they were going to die and spend eternity in hell so that they were convicted of their sin and sought Christ. So there's kind of two groups of people, it seems like in the world that different kinds of preaching affects them differently and wins them. So further review here. Number 10, there's no difference between holy and unholy. And I talked to you about the book of Haggai. Uh, if you looked at Haggai, and uh, we went through that, if, if unholy flesh touches holy flesh, what happens? The unholy doesn't become holy. The holy becomes unholy. And in reverse that, and the same is true. And so we don't, you, you don't bring the things of the world into your life and expect your sanctified life to sanctify the things of the world. The things of the world will affect you. You will not affect them. I, always, I say this statement biblically. You, you check me out. But evil influences good more than good influences evil in this world. Uh-oh. What did I do? Hit the wrong button. And then there are many roads to heaven. I believe I'm on number 12 tonight. I'm trying to think of it. Are there many roads to heaven? Have you heard that? Yeah. Most everybody's heard that. I hear it going to, I hear, I told you about the interview of uh, Bob Jones III with uh, King, the talk show host last week. I told you how that's, they always, they always want to go there. They always want to go there. I was on a radio program. The guy tried to, Kind of a, it was an eight-second delay. They called it a live radio program. Actually, had eight-second delay, but that's not much. And uh, he wanted to stump me on all that. Wanted basically made it look like I was a hater. You know, I'm not a hater. I didn't write the book. I didn't send my son. I didn't sacrifice for my salvation. I said, if you want to hate somebody, you're going to have to hate God because this, he's made. This is what he said is true. So number twelve. Salvation is like buying insurance policy. I talked last week about how that people get saved, never want to go to church, never want to read their Bible, never want to live for Jesus. I personally think they're going to be shocked. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 23, I think they're going to be shocked when they stand before Jesus at the great white throne judgment, not at the, not at the beam of seat of Christ because they never really were his. Ultimately, in the final end, none of us can make that decision. Are they saved or are they not saved? We cannot make that decision. Only God really knows who's saved and who's not saved. He knows the heart. The heart is desperately wicked above all. Who can know it? I think that's uh, uh, real clear in the Bible. You can't, you can't know. Is this Jeremiah 17, 9, I think. 
You can't know. So, so now this is where we're at tonight. Baptism is required for salvation. Now, can you flip to the next slide? I mean, just, just go from this slide to the next one. It should be number 13. You want me to hit the number? I click, I'm clicking better. My finger's tired. Hit, hit, hit slide number. Should have been right after, right after that slide. It should be where I start. Don't you love technology? Help him out. I didn't know it was going to be such a consternation or I just stayed down there and went through the rest of them. What's up? I went through that this afternoon. It should be, should be. What's up? Yeah, that's it. Was that not the next slide? Did, there was no, well, not. That. Okay, baptism requires to be saved. Now this this requires you to put on. By the way, this is not milk. This is meat. What I'm teaching is this isn't milk. This is meat. Baptism requires for us to be saved. There's a group of people, fairly large group of people, that believe you get, and they take it, this is the verse they use, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter preaches, first sermon. At the end of the sermon, he does what we do. He gives an invitation. He says, repent and be baptized. Every one of you, in the name of the Lord, name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, that she receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, if that was the only verse in the Bible, I would tell you you had to be baptized to be saved. Does that, does that not seem to what that teaches right there? If that was it, that's all you knew. But you don't just know that. The next sermon he preaches, the second sermon, he says at the invitation, he says, repent ye therefore and be converted. That you may, your sins may be blotted out and that the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Now, the first time he said, repent and be baptized. This says, says, repent and be converted. He did not mention baptism. If baptism is required to be saved, it would be spoken about every time an invitation was given. Does that make logical sense to you? Okay, then we'll go for it much further than that. Simple biblical logic. If baptism were required for salvation... Then every time salvation was offered, it would be included. Why? Because it, is, it would be mandatory. And I've reasoned with this way with them. But that is not what we find in the Bible. No, it is not. In fact, I'm going to have to speed that flame up. I mean, what here's what we find in the Bible. The vast majority of invitations to salvation are without baptism. There's a few invitations with baptism very few, three or four, two, three maybe. But the vast majority of them have not mentioned of baptism. They use the words placing faith in Christ, repentance, uh, believe. These are standalone and combined. 
They're found standalone and they're found combined. Confess and trust are the words we see in the Bible mentioned around salvation. Okay? And I'll give you some verses for this. These are some example verses. If you want to go to them and look, you can go to those verses and find those things out to be true in other verses too. So some special note here. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Mark chapter 16, 16. Now, if, if salvation if had to be include faith and baptism or repentance and baptism, they go to this and say, he that believeth and is baptized, they say, see? See? Got to be baptized to be saved. I say to them, see? But he that believeth not shall be damned. The way it would read, if baptism was mandatory, would he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not and is not baptized shall be damned. It would have to be included in that. Okay? Wouldn't that read differently? You would have not baptized because it was mandatory, but it was not there. That's because it's not required to be saved. Obviously, as you read, I think it's obvious, but evidently it's not as obvious as it seems to be. Some other biblical logical reasons for that. The thief on the cross, this is the most regularly used defense against baptismal regeneration. By the way, that's the technical name of what they're talking about, baptismal regeneration. So the thief on the cross didn't have time to get, he didn't have time to do anything. He didn't get member church, baptized, ordained. He didn't go through classes. He didn't go through discipleship classes. He didn't know hardly anything about anything. He said, Lord, and he really didn't even word it the way I would like it. Most of those theologians wouldn't like the way he worded that. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. To us, that just wouldn't be good enough. You just, you just didn't talk about faith. You didn't talk about repentance. Lord, remember me? That seems weak. Well, it was enough. Many people saved on deathbeds and I've, I've led a few people to Christ on deathbed. One, the, the, the closest to death, I'm going to ask Brother Calvert to give me in a minute. You think about the closest to death that you ever led anybody to Christ. My experience was nine hours. I led the guy to Christ in nine hours he died. So he was too sick to get out of bed. He was too sick to move about. And so we led him to Christ, clear understood the gospel, had emotion with the whole thing, wept with it, and then I believe the boy got saved, and nine hours later he died. Did you have anybody close like that? No? I feel special. Well, you're much older than I am. Nine hours. However, baptism is important. We Baptists do not downgrade baptism. We put it in our name. Well, most Baptists put it in their name, but the honest with you, maybe most Baptists now are taking baptism out of their name. And they're making it like gospel church. And they're taking out gospel Baptist church because they're ashamed of the whole baptism thing. I don't know why. It's just crazy. Every generation wants to define itself differently than the generation before them. So if, if we put gospel Baptist church, they don't want gospel Baptist church. They want to call it gospel church or Bonita church. And then the, their kids won't even want to call it anything other than the get-together place. It's crazy. It's called apostasy. However, baptism is important, emphasizing the Bible. and It is emphasizing the Ethiopian eunuch, which I just talked about, follows salvation. 
This is the verses he spoke about that I just quoted you. And Philip said, Believest thou believest all thine heart, thou mayest, no baptism. He wanted to get baptized, however, and so he said, Okay, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he got baptized. So it's important. So when people get saved, we encourage them to be baptized. How soon? Personal to me is I like to let them go through some discipleshiping. Is that a word? Discipleship courses. Disciple have some discipleship so that they understand a little bit about the basics of salvation prior to being saved. But if somebody got saved and says, I want to get baptized, personally, I'm not going to say no. Because if you go to the gospel in the book, as you know, in the book of Acts, they got saved, got baptized, got saved, got baptized, got saved, got baptized. However, I, I mean, I got saved at five years old, and my parents did not allow me to be baptized until 12 years old. Now, that's bar mitzvah. At 12 years old, he said, until you're 12, you're not getting baptized. I begged them for all those years, let me get baptized, let me get baptized. They never gave out. When I was 12 years old, we went down to Christiana Creek in the spring, almost ice flowing down the creek, and they dunked me in the name of the Father once, in the name of the Son twice, in the name of the Holy Ghost the third time. I thought I was going to see him. That water was 33, 34 degrees. I never forgot that baptism. I'm going to tell you what. Whoa. Now, we baptized in the early part of this church. We baptized a lot of people out in the Gulf. We baptized them in the Gulf, on the beach, in the back bay, in pools, pool cages, wherever we could find water. Okay, so I hope you leave tonight knowing it's a divine lie that you have to be baptized to be saved. However, you should be baptized, if you can be baptized, to be obedient. But it has nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with obedience. Baptism is important. You should get baptized. If you're not baptized in this room and been saved, why don't you come up to us? We'll set a time. Our baptism water is good, ready to go. In fact, we spoil you. We heat the water and everything else. You probably won't ever remember it. We should throw ice in that baby, and then you'll remember you got baptized at Gospel Baptist Church where them crazy people baptized me in ice water. Okay, the 14th divine line. Communion elements change into the blood and the body of Jesus and they save you. Now, that's typically Roman Catholic, but they're not the only ones that do that. There's, there's, there's a substantiation, transubstantiation, and a couple of two, other two substantiation theories about the uh, theological, about the blood of Christ. Why don't they just believe the Bible? First of all, the, 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 the grape juice, the fruit of the vine that we use, does not turn into anything. It is just grape juice, it's fruit of the vine, in remembrance of the blood that was shed for us. Because the whole thing, well, it says, first of all, if it did turn into blood, it would violate another portion of Scripture where it says here, Therefore I say unto the children of Israel, no soul of you shall eat blood. And so, and, and ooh, because the life of the flesh is in the blood. That was, those things from meats offered to idols in New Testament, Acts 15, and from blood. They, the, Acts 15 there is it's called the four commandments of the New Testament. There were four rules, commandments, that the early church set for the new believers. These are it. That you, you abstain from meats offered to idols. You, you don't eat blood. And from things strangled, you don't eat things strangled. And from fornication, those were the, that's the only four laws that this big committee in, in Jerusalem there of the early, we're talking about the highest quality Christians probably ever been, 
felt like under the Holy Spirit. That's for those were four major things that church had to avoid early on. Were those things, of course, still are true. Okay. And if we got some Catholics in here, Mike, pay attention to this. That's right, buddy. First Corinthians, my wife's raised Catholic. And when thou has, when, and when he had given thanks, he break it, speaking of the communion, and take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. And, and what does Jesus say? But he says, do this as a memorial. If, if, if uh, Marilyn dies, if Marilyn would die up north somewhere, and she would be buried up north. But she's not going to be, by the grace of God. She can be buried with her husband down here. But let's say you got buried up north for some reason. Maybe he was buried up there. We would, we would, we was offered to your your children. We will be glad to do a memorial service for Marilyn Rose. Now, was Marilyn Rose here when we do that memorial service? It's just in remembrance of Marilyn Rose. She's not here. Your body's not here, your body, you're buried up there, you're not present here. Either your body or your soul or your spirit are not present here, yet we're going to do a service. We've done many of them. Memorial service, that's what this is. This is in remembrance of him. He says it himself. After the same manner, he took the cup, when he said in the New Testament of my blood, this do is drinking, how? In remembrance of me. No saving grace in that. Just obedience. It's like baptism. Why do we partake? Of communion because he told us to. Amen? Right. Not because we are going to get saved by doing it, but he just told us to because it was good for us to do it. He told us to get baptized, not to get saved, but because it was good for us. Baptism is the outward expression publicly of what has already happened privately inside your heart. You got saved. Okay? So we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. His, his body died for us. It was given for us, and his blood was shed for us. So the communion helps us remember that. We, as, and it says as often as you, he, he allowed wiggle room for the church, as often as he eats his bread, often as he drinks his cup. So he said, you can have, I, I was a member of a church that had communion once a year. How many were members of a church that had communion once a year? Anybody in here? You were here? Oh, I'm glad. I felt lonely. Once a year. And they made a whole service around the communion. It was nice. I mean, they had candles and, and they made a big deal of it. But once a year, doesn't seem very much. And so some churches have it once, a couple times a year, three times a year. How many here went to a church that had it four times a year? How many went to a church that had it every month? The Gospel Baptist in the Constitution, we, we set a goal to try to have it every month. We don't always meet that goal because of things that come up. But we try to have it every month. But Now, you don't want to have it so much that you just become, it's nothing. To, you should never come to communion like it's a light thing. Shake yourself. Slap yourself. Even if we do it once a month, it's not like a light thing. It's, it's remembering the body and blood of Christ who was given for us. And you should review yourself that you're not in... You're not uh, in some sort of uh, open, known sin that you haven't repented of or won't repent of and partake of that because some of the folks in Corinth misbehaved in that area and they lost their life. Some of them were sick 
because God had cursed them in a certain way because they had taken the Lord's table lightly and they had uh, not been serious about it. Man, when you take the, I, I take communion I, I before that, of course, you know what's coming. And we'll tell them, Lord, Lord, is there anything between me and thee tonight? Please let me see it. Let it in my mind. If there's any, if my wife, if I've offended my wife, that's a big one. If I've offended my wife in some way, and I need to go to her and ask her to forgive me, you know, if I, I if I fought all the way to the church, of course, none of you sweet people ever did that. No. Bunch of saints, I'll tell you that. <laughs> so, some more burnt sacrifice and giving him his blood and body. That's 750. I'm still on communion. I'm going to finish this communion. One of the reasons about communion, why the, his, why the elements don't become the body and the blood of Christ, because if the elements became the body and blood of Christ, that means whoever took communion, Christ would be there in body and blood, and he would be, his sacrifice would be repeated. Right? Now, if you think about the world, Christianity is spread all over the whole world. There's communion going on probably every week, somewhere, sometime, somewhere. And so Christ would be dying and dying. You know, his blood would be sacrificed, his body would be sacrificed. Hebrews 7, 27, and Father, who needeth not daily as those high priests speaking of Christ to offer up sacrifice for his own sins and then for the sins for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself, neither by the blood of goats or calves, but by his own blood. He entered once, he did once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. And we got another one. I got to speed that thing up. In Hebrews chapter 9, for Christ has not entered into the holy places made with hands, that which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Whew. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as a high priest entered into the holy place every year with the blood of the others. For then, now who quoted that? Somebody quoted that verse in, when, the, when they quoted verses this week. For then must he offer and suffer since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. How many times did Christ die? Once. How many times did he offer his body and blood? Once. Not repeated. And communion does not repeat it. Or it would be violating those verses right there. Okay? That's all I'm going to deal with that. But that's a divine lie. Ooh. Is this my last one? I don't think so. I think I got some more divine lies in this. We did not. We did not need the Old Testament. I'm going to do this next week. We did not need the Old Testament because this is pretty lengthy. There's groups of people that believe you only need the most narrow group. We call them hyper or ultra fundamentalists. Do you mean there's people that claim to be right of us? Yes. We're not as far right. Hopefully, actually, I want to be balanced, right? I want to be balanced. But anyways, there's groups called ultra-fundamentalists, hyper-fundamentalists, that believe that the only part of the Bible you need to read or need to care about is about Acts chapter 12 through the book of Jude. That's it. 
The Gospels was Jesus under the law. The Old Testament was for them. And you just all you need is Acts 12. Some people may say Acts 1, but some, most of them say Acts 12 on through Jude. And we're going to counterdict that with the Bible. Not with Bill Lytell, with the Bible. Next week. Don't miss that. That's impo- this is important. Uh, I've taught against this a few times because we have people sometimes watch the Internet. And there's a real sharp guy on the Internet that teaches this. Ultra-fundamentalism. Ultra-hyper-dispensationalism also. It's hyper-dispensationalism. And he teaches it. And it's very sounds, and it sounds good. If I didn't know the Bible, I'd almost believe the guy. But he's, it's a false, he's a false teacher. He's, he's speaking divine lies. And we'll talk about that next week. I mean, can, to me it's obvious that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And when he quoted that, he, was, he had, didn't have the New Testament. He just talked about, he was talking about all scripture. Jesus quoted all, all what kind, which Bible did Jesus quote? He didn't quote the New Testament. He didn't have it. Yeah, we'll see. And the word scripture is a key. Scriptures. We're going to show you where the word scripture, both reads the Old Testament, New Testament, entire New Testament, is all scriptures. And that's confirmed both in Old Testament and New Testament. Father, help us tonight. Give us wisdom from heaven. Help us to stay away from divine lies. Help us stay away from the people that want to believe their own spirit rather than the Holy Spirit and really violate the Word of God. Help us to stay close to the book. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.